Welcome to this edition of PEM Cubic Reviews. My name is Asha Thariel. And my name is Jeffrey Lowe. And we are Pediatric Emergency Medicine Fellows at UT Southwestern in Dallas. This podcast is edited by Ken Yen and Joanna Siyama, both PEM faculty at UT Southwestern. The focus of this chapter of the PEM Cubic Reviews is child abuse and maltreatment. Before we begin, I would like to remind everyone that this podcast is a review of the high yield points of ABP PEM boards and does not reflect the views of UT Southwestern or Children's Health. The boards tend to focus on identification of child abuse and complications more than anything else. We'll go over each of the questions and we'll try to add at least one pearl for each question. So let's begin. Starting with the first question. A mother brings her seven-year-old daughter for evaluation of sexual abuse. All of the following historical factors would place her at higher risk for sexual abuse except. One note. The board is trying to get away from question stems using except. However, they may still show up on your exam. So it's very important to pay attention to how the question is phrased. Now let's look at the answer choices. A. The child has physical and developmental disabilities. B. The child has only one living parent. C. The child has poor self-esteem at baseline. D. The child was found touching herself when being toilet trained at three years old. Or E. A mother who was sexually abused as a child. Children at risk for sexual abuse are those who have low self-esteem, are impulsive, come from a single-parent home, or have family members who are victims of abuse or incest, physically disabled, or developmental delay. The answer choice for this question is D, as masturbation and exploring one's body is normal behavior at toddler's age. Given the fact that this is an accept question, this makes the best answer choice. Great. Let's move on to the next question. Of the following clinical scenarios, which is the most suspicious for child abuse? A. A two-month-old infant admitted for respiratory distress and pneumonia found to have two rib fractures. The infant has a history of BPD and is currently on furosemide. B. A three-month-old with new-onset seizures is found to have multiple posterior rib fractures and retinal hemorrhages and this child has no significant past medical history. C, a two-year-old with spiral fractures of her right humerus is found on radiographs to have a lytic lesion at the fracture site. Or D, a five-year-old with blue sclera sustains a spiral femur fracture running across a wet kitchen floor. The child has a history of multiple prior fractures following low energy trauma. Or E, a 12-year-old with an acute forearm fracture sustained while inline skating is found to have heterotropic bone within the body in the muscles of the upper arm. Let's go through two questions that you should ask yourself when you're dealing with concerns for abuse. Does the history make sense? And does the mechanism match the injury? In the first scenario, in a child with suspected nutritional deficiencies due to being on furosemide and having BPD, fracture is a plausible idea. In the two-year-old with a spiral fracture and lytic lesions, knowing that lytic lesions increase the risk for fractures help exclude this choice. 
Answer choice D with a patient with blue sclera and multiple fractures describes a child with possible osteogenesis imperfecta. OI, severity depends on the variant of the disease and a thorough history often aids one in identifying this diagnosis. The child in answer choice E has heterotopic bone, which is consistent with the diagnosis of myositis ossificans progressiva. The child in answer choice B, however, has no reasonable explanation for his injuries, for his seizures, and manifestation, make, and manifestation making this the best answer choice. Wow, it really takes a discerning eye to tell those differences, but after your explanation, I think I understand it a little bit better. Great. All right, let's do one more. A local pediatrician has a child in his office he would like to refer to the emergency department for evaluation. He is not certain whether the child is being abused or is suffering from a medical condition. All of the following conditions below may be mistaken for child abuse except A. Ehrlos-Danlos syndrome B. Minky's kinky hair syndrome C. Osteogenesis imperfecta D. Nephrotic syndrome or E, phytodermatitis. How many of us have heard the phrase, oh, this is not child abuse, this is just some other underlying thing that they have? Many medical conditions can be confused with child abuse. A thorough physical and history can help delineate some of these conditions. Aralis downlose is a collagen disorder and patients often present initially with easy bruising. Menke's kinky hair is a copper metabolism disorder and present with met metaphyseal fractures, subdural hemorrhages, and sometimes even failure to thrive. Osteogenesis imperfecta, as discussed earlier, present with multiple fractures and the presenting signs of nephrotic syndrome, which is one of the answer choices for this question, should not be confused for child abuse and neglect. Great. The next question. A three-year-old child is brought to the ED in extremis. The parents report that she was in her usual state of good health when she suddenly collapsed. On examination, her temperature is 37 degrees Celsius, her pulse is 150, blood pressure is 70 over 40, and a respiratory rate of 40. Her abdomen is distended and she has scattered ecchymosis on her trunk, face, and extremities. After initial stabilization, she is taken for a CT scan of her abdomen and pelvis. Based on the history and physical, what is the most likely to be found on CT scan? A. Inflammation of an intact appendix. B. Laceration of the liver with blood in the peritoneum. C. Kidney stones with moderate hydronephrosis. D. A normal CT scan of the abdomen and pelvis. Or E mesenteric adenitis. Let's try to see what this question vignette is trying to suggest. It's trying to suggest a blunt abdominal trauma with a three-year-old or a toddler with scattered ecchymosis on her trunk, face, and extremities. Should not be there. A blunt, in a blunt trauma, the liver is the most often injured organ due to its large size and unprotected location. The mechanism is often a kick or a punch. These patients usually have a high mortality rate when compared to non-axillal trauma versus axillal trauma, probably because of the delay in seeking care. In this question, the answer choice is hence B, laceration of the liver with blood in the peritoneum. Yeah, so Asha, 
that history was really important because if it was a child of a motor vehicle collision, you might not have had the same suspicion as when the child was in their good health and just suddenly collapsed. Exactly. Good to know. Let's do the next question. A pediatrician refers a neonate to the emergency department for evaluation of suspected abuse. Which of the following clinical scenarios would be most consistent with abuse in this neonate? A. Findings of retinal hemorrhages located at the posterior pole in a seven-day-old. B. Finding a clavicle fracture without callus formation in a five-day-old whose birth was complicated by shoulder dystocia. C. Finding a skull fracture in a four-day-old after a vacuum-assisted delivery. D. Finding a humerus fracture without callus formation in a 14-day-old who delivered breech or E, finding a femur fracture with callus formation in a seven-day-old who delivered with a foot presentation. For this question, we'll use the same principle as we did for all the other questions. Does the history make sense? Does the mechanism match the injury? Difficult vaginal deliveries often lead to birth-related injuries. Babies who present in breech position born vaginally have the highest incidence of injuries. Neonates who sustain injuries during delivery often have callus formation within a week, definitely within two weeks. The child in B has a clavicle fracture following a shoulder dystocia, which is a plausible injury. The fact that there is no callus is also okay given the child is only five days old. Remember, it takes almost one week for a callus to form. The skull fracture in a vacuum-assisted delivery is also plausible. Remember, retinal hemorrhages can occur in the posterior pole during a normal vaginal delivery. Retinal hemorrhages that are concerning for child abuse often go past the posterior pole, is extensive, or is in multiple layers. The answer to this question is the 14-day-old with a fracture without callus formation. This does not add up. Great explanation, Asha. Let's move on to the next question. An eight-year-old girl is brought to the emergency department by her parents after she disclosed that her friend's 15-year-old brother touched her. The family has filed a police report and the patient is referred to the emergency department for examination. Which of the following descriptions would you expect to see in a girl of this age as normal physical finding? A. Crescent-shaped hymen with thin, smooth edges. B. An annular-shaped redundant hymen, C, a hymen with no visible vaginal opening, D, a nearly annular shaped hymen with scalloped edges, or E, a nearly annular shaped hymen with notches at 3 and 9 o'clock. When examining the hymen, keep in mind the age of the child and the tanner stage. Let's go through them. For a newborn female, maternal estrogen effect is seen in the form of annular-shaped redundant hymen. So this should not be the answer choice. So automatically, B is not it. For preschool to school age children, hymen is more crescent-shaped with thin, smooth edges and the orifice appears large. During puberty, estrogen effects um, come back, so hymen is, looks more annular in shape with scalloped appearances to the edges. Notching in 3 o'clock and 9 o'clock is also normal. A hymen with no visible vaginal opening sometimes is suggestive of imperforate hymen. All right, great. 
And with that last question, we will conclude this short and sweet podcast today for PIMQ Book Reviews. Hopefully it was a helpful review of the high-yield content for child abuse and maltreatment. Good luck studying, everyone.